1: least. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It's least. As in the NFC least in the National Football League, when I was growing up, huge Giants fan, Giants, Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles. It was the I know Kokos, the Washington football team, but that's not what it was when I was growing up. It was the Washington Redskins. It was the Hogs. It was the Eagles weren't always good, but The Giants were really good. The Cowboys were good. It was the strongest division in the National Football League. Now, as we go through this division, it's a joke. Let's just say what happened this weekend. The Cowboys, how are they doing? Good? Everyone happy out there in Cowboy land? The only one happy, I think, is Mike Ryan from The Levitard Show, who's a huge, self-proclaimed Cleveland Browns fan. The Browns beat him 49-38. to Dak Prescott is on his way to the Hall of Fame, the season of a lifetime. Of course, Coke and I in our pregame had a discussion about this, and it made me a little crazy because isn't it easier to get good numbers on a crappy team where you're always behind and you have to throw the ball? Hey, let's congratulate Tom Brady through five touchdown passes yesterday. Yeah, but they were down... It was the fifth biggest comeback of his career with the Falcons maybe being number one in the Super Bowl, certainly in terms of importance, but you don't get credit for that. Now, Prescott is a good quarterback, obviously, not good enough to get paid what he thinks he's going to get paid during the time of COVID, but let's not look at the stats for a team that stinks. Do you know the Dallas Cowboys are one in three? Are you listening out there, Amanda? They're one in three, and do you know what happens if they don't have the most ridiculous onside kick during the Atlanta Falcons game, that the chances of recovery were one in a gajillion and that Dan Quinn knows how to coach a team in Atlanta, you're a donut. You're Owen four. you stink. I think it's time that Jerry Jones understood the issue. I really do. It can't be Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett in his career, remember Jason Garrett, the guy who used to coach the Cowboys, who every single week on Nothing Personal last season, we said, hey, Jason Garrett's getting fired. Hey, Jason Garrett's about to get fired. Hey, Jason Garrett. It's like a free wait to see. By the way, he's now the offensive coordinator, or is he the defensive coordinator, Coca? He's one of the coordinators. I would assume he's the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, and we'll get to them soon because the Giants are having a spectacular season, by the way, on offense and defense. They're undefeated, in the mirror with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. But maybe that's not the problem. They bring in the Super Bowl winning Packer coach, Mike McCarthy, and he's one and three, should be 0 oh and 4. The defense is terrible. The Cowboys just, they're not America's team. They're nobody's team. I give Jerry Jones all the credit in the world for being the GM of the team. I give him credit for being the president of the team. I give him credit for being the owner of the team. I give him credit for acknowledging that that's what he wants to do with his team. I'm in for all of it. But at some point, he's going to start blaming himself, right? Is that possible? I mean, Jason Garrett took three minutes to get another job as offensive coordinator, like many head coaches do when they're fired. They become they go back to what they were. I wonder right now if Adam Gase, once he's fired by the Jets, he was this offensive coordinator extraordinaire with Manning and the Broncos, even though their defense helped them win the 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 World Series, the Super Bowl. My head's on baseball because we're back to baseball today. God, I missed it this weekend. But at some point, Jerry Jones looks in the mirror. But I think that Jerry Jones is an owner when he looks in the mirror, what he sees when the mirror looks back. It's this obviously wart free picture, no wrinkles, no nothing. And it's got trophies everywhere. And it's got, I am the champion. I am the owner of a team that's worth the most of any team in North American professional sports. And I'm making that up because the Yankees could be worth more. But I think the Cowboys are ranked number one by Forbes, who I don't pay attention to in any way when it comes to franchise rankings in terms of valuations. Thank God. But I think he sees something that's not there. Like delusion. Coca, when's the last time the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl? I bet you it's been almost 20 years. Have they won in the 2000s? I don't think they have. Have they even been to the Super Bowl in the 2000s? I think we talked about this in the first. I can't remember. We dropped so many stats on here. But my guess is as he feverishly opens the Google tab and looks for that, I'm going to say it's been long enough that at some point Jerry's going to say, wow, we're bad. Except he then will say, hey, I won the Super Bowl in 1995. That's a quarter of a century ago. I'm a Super Bowl winning owner and GM. And I'm in a division where I am a quarter of a game out of first place. Why? Because it's the NFC least. The Eagles are in first place. The Eagles have won uno macho. Uno. Uno. They're one, two, and one. They beat the Niners. All right, good. They're in first place. They're in a playoff position now. Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl two years ago. They're already asking for his head. Giants are outstanding. They're the 4-0 mirror team. Daniel Jones stinks. The Giants offense without Barkley is mediocre at best. The most interesting part of that game you're going to hear about at the end of this show, because the most interesting part happened when the clock hit triple zero. They may not win a game all year. Are they tanking for Trevor? Maybe they're trying to compete with the Jets to see who wins a game first in New York. So they're 0 4. So the division has a total. By the way, I'm not going to talk about the Washington football team. I'm not. They're going to bench Haskins. They're one and three as well. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Redskins, three the Redskins, the Washington football team, three games total. You want to talk about NFC least? That, that is the NFC least. Now, there's people on Twitter saying, hey, this is bad for football. Football must be despondent about this division. Having a team below 500 make the playoffs, as an example, that would be terrible. Okay, but isn't there always a weak division in every league? Don't we always look at, a, at baseball and say, hey, the Central Division back in the day a few years ago, we always would do that in baseball. The Central Division was terrible. Football, back in the day, they switched divisions. Why does this happen? You know, because we talk about a nothing personal, the cyclical nature of building a winning team. You have a window to win, and then that window closes. You break it down. You try to shorten the length of the breakdown so you can get back up into a winning parabola. The winning part of the parabola. I think parabola. I'm going back to AP math, which I never took. I think parabola is that circular shake, like a, like a uh, circular shape, like a standard deviation. In any case, the NFL is very aware, so are owners. And you know who doesn't care about divisions, which are weak. Ready? Say it with me. Who doesn't care the most? I'm three. On three, we're going to say it together. One, two. National broadcast partners. Or are we going to say that after three? Okay. It's like rock, paper, scissors, shoot, or rock, paper, shoot. One, two, three, national broadcast partners. They don't care because you are gambling on football. You are playing fantasy football, and you are watching football. You're watching in Philadelphia. You're watching in Dallas. Ratings may be down. They may be up. You are paying Your money. Every week, no matter what. Do it with me. Ready? Here we go. Chugga, 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 chugga. That is the train of revenue that the NFL is on. They don't care. The NFC stinks. They'll get better. It's good. We're talking about it on a random Monday morning in September. We're taught uh, in we are in October, obviously, a random Monday in October. Every Monday for 16, 17, maybe it'll be 18 weeks. And then through the playoffs, don't panic. Everything's fine. And by the way, I put least as the word of the day because it is the NFC least and I love the NFC East because that's my division as a Giant fan. Not the only story in football this weekend. Plenty of stories. Before I get to the rest of the weekend, I'm going to do an early wait to see. We're going to catch up on a few past wait to sees because the divisional... Series starts in baseball and the wild card series are over. But my way to see today, the NFC least is going to play 16 games on the assumption they play 16 games, given what's going on with COVID. But I think it's going to be OK. Maybe. I hope. The winner of the NFC least will have the same or worse record as the Seattle Seahawks when they won their division 10 years ago in 2010. The winner of the NFC Least Division, wait to see, will have seven or fewer wins. There will not be a 500 team in this crappy division. All right, what happened? Other highlights. Talked about Brady for a minute. I just want to mention this. If you're in Tampa, you're on the Brady bandwagon, right? You're all in. You have, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays who are doing well in baseball. Best team in the American League about to start the division series against the Yankees. You've got a relevant football team. I remember back in the John McKay days, there's a name, Coca that you've never heard of. John McKay, I believe, was the coach of the Buccaneers when Hugh Culverhouse, Hugh Culverhouse owned them. God, I may be wrong on every level, but it feels right to me. In any case, they would wear bags. They wouldn't win games. They were horrible. They got good. They made the playoffs a few times, irrelevant, relevant. Then they signed Tom Brady. And now everyone loves it. And then Tom Brady has a game like yesterday's game. And the view is, we're going to the promised land. We're going to have a ring. We're going to win a Super Bowl. We've got the greatest quarterback who ever played. Yes, you do. He's not the greatest quarterback in the game today. He's not in, please don't at me. Actually, you can at me at David P. Sampson, do it. Is he in the top five in quarterbacks right now, today? Can you not name five quarterbacks better than Tom Brady today? I'm not a football guy. I'm not a sports guy. Let's see. Let's try it, Coca. How about Patrick Mahomes? Would you like him over Tom Brady? That's a given. Okay. What about Watson? Would you take him over Tom Brady? I would. What about Prescott? Would you take him over Tom Brady? I would. What about the guy in the Ravens, Jackson? Would you take him over Tom Brady? I would. I'm at four, and that is literally with zero in front of me. You know I have the show in front of me. It's the rundown. You know I have no tabs open. That's up to Coca. Coca, can we think of another quarterback who you'd have rather have than Tom Brady? I could think of Roethlisberger. I could think of the Buffalo guy who is undefeated. Coca, who is that? Uh, Josh Allen. Yes. I mean – is to, I'm not going to say top 10 because I don't want to get into a fight with everyone, but it's clear. Listen, I'm a Wisconsinite. All of you in Wisconsin. Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers say or Tom Brady? Just say it. We're already at five. We haven't started. Brady had five touchdowns. Everyone's all in. You're all on the bandwagon. Just take a breath. Okay. Next thing. We had a lot of COVID in the NFL. It was a bit like MLB, wasn't it, where every 10 minutes you've got that guy uh, who breaks all the news in the NFL, Adam Schlachter, Schnechter. I can't remember his name, but I see him on Twitter and he breaks all this news on on Twitter. His name is Adam something for the NFL. And every other other minute and day, what's his name, Coca? So I don't get it wrong because I hate getting names wrong because I get names wrong all the time. His name is Adam (coughs) Schnechter. There you go. Adam, I follow you even if you don't follow me. So Adam Schefter's tweeting out, we've got to change. Cam Newton's tested positive. Patriots game in jeopardy. Titans have an outbreak. Titans game postponed. All of this is going on and we're watching in real time the NFL do something that it hates to do. And we talked about nothing personal. They hate screwing with their schedule. Of course they hate screwing with their schedule. Why? Because they count on fans going to games. And I think there were like 25,000 fans in one of the games this weekend. They set a COVID record. It probably was Dallas, of course. I don't even know whether Dallas played at home. I think they did. And I think they may have had the most fans uh, since COVID started, 25,010 or something and whatever. So NFL doesn't like moving schedules. You can't play double headers. All of the reasons we said. But what you can do is move a game to a Monday or Tuesday from a Sunday. Tuesday would be the latest you can play to get ready. That's a really super short week, not ideal. You could do some sort of Monday night double header. That's always a possibility, but then you're only delaying the game by a day and you've got to wait to see. Are there false negatives? Are there false positives? Is there an outbreak? Is there not an outbreak? Then they had to rearrange the whole schedule for Baltimore and the Steelers and the Titans and the Vikings and blah, blah. They did that. All right. So the NFL also doesn't like doing something. When I went on the uh, McAfee show, I think I mentioned this. I don't understand why he is so against or anybody is so against teams. I'm not flexing names. I was on the show, whatever. Why teams don't like traveling day of game? Well, why not? You don't stay in a hotel, travel, land the plane, stay out of a hotel, go to the ballpark, get ready, and then leave the ballpark, get on the plane, you go home. You're in, you're out. It's like going to Wisconsin. If you don't like that reference, then you haven't seen stripes. So we found out the New England Patriots are on their way right now to play a game. One COVID test, positive, it was uh, Cam Newton. So they have a different quarterback playing today who's the anti Tom Brady. He's not as good as Cam Newton. I don't even know his name. In any case, his name is Coca Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter is not just a newsbreaker. He's also the quarterback for the Patriots tonight or Brian Hoyer. So the Patriots are on a plane. They're flying. And you know what they did? It's almost too good to be true. The Kraft family has two planes. And they're they chartered what they own their planes Doesn't matter where they own them or they charter them. Every NFL team flies privately. You either charter from Delta, United, American, or you buy your own plane and the owner gets to depreciate the asset. And it's a huge tax benefit to own your own plane, whatever the case may be. Here's how they assign seats. Do you remember the story? I don't know whether it was on the mailbag or on a nothing personal episode. Hope you listen to the mailbag episode, by the way. It 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 would, it dropped this past weekend. It was a fun one. Thank you for all your questions and for rating and reviewing on Apple podcasts and asking questions. There was a conversation we had about the San Francisco 49ers team plane and how Katie Sowers sister was despondent that Katie Sowers was back at the back of the plane, not with the other coaches. Remember that in any case. So, you know, that the traveling secretary has assigned seats in advance And, you know, you go up to the players and the staff. Hey, you're on the plane seat 8A. So what the Patriots did is they got two planes. So the traveling secretary went to a player. Not only did he have to give a seat number, you are in 10A, but he also had to give a plane number. You are in plane one, seat 8A. So like a schoolyard pick, you look at your friends. Hey, what plane are you on? Hey, what plane are you on? Hey, what plane are you on? What seat are you in? Where are you? God, I hope we're next to each other, even though we can't stand up. We have to wear shields. But man, I'd like to play cards. We got to play cards. We play cards on the plane. I know we're not allowed to get up, but of course we do. Okay. Guess what? Here it is. The Patriots split the players up. COVID. No COVID. If you had contact with Cam Newton, you're on plane one. If you didn't have contact with Cam Newton, you're on plane too. I'm going to work it in, Coca. It was your best joke of the pre-show. I don't know if they assigned seat 19C because that would be funny. Would anyone want to sit? When you're flying, if you, when you start flying again, don't sit in 19C. Get it, COVID-19C, 19, 19C. What do you think, Coca? People like that joke? People like window seats. 19C is an aisle seat, so that would be good. Did it, did it, did it land? Let me ask the studio audience. Did you guys laugh at that? The 19C, COVID 19. All right, Coca. That's a very hold on, thumb like gladiator. Dun 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 dun. Psst. But I worked it in for you. So there's a full plane of people who had contact with Cam Newton, and then a plane of people who didn't have contact with Cam Newton. Here's what's funny. Who are the pilots and the flight attendants on that plane? Do you think that they're happy to be assigned to the COVID plane? Do you think that they are staying in the cockpit the whole time? Yes. Do you think the flight attendants are happy to be serving, even though they're going to say on team planes, everyone's saying, hey, there's no service? Really? Yes, there is. So do you think the flight attendants? I kept thinking about what happened this weekend. Obviously, I, you know, we, I don't know that we had a chance to talk about President Trump. I don't remember if we talked about it on last week's show. Uh, and how President Trump has COVID. Coca, did we talk about President Trump yet having COVID last week? Do you have any recollection of that? Okay, this is where Coca earns his race. He just dropped a maybe on me. All right, thank you, Coca. That's value added. Did we talk about when Donald Trump left Walter Reed Hospital to take a tour and say hello to people? I don't know that we did that. People are criticizing President Trump. I'm not, actually. I think it is great when you are a leader. You've got to show leadership. You've got to let your people know that you are okay. There was a lot of question. We all want him to be okay. If you are rooting for Donald Trump not to be okay, don't watch the show. Don't know me because that's not where I am or where anyone should be. I want everyone to be okay. Him doing that was a smart move. But the question that people are asking is what the administration has to answer right now. And they should have answered that in advance. Instead of being reactive, they should have been proactive. The question is about the Secret Service men and the people within his closed suburban as he was saying hello to the citizens of the U.S. around Walter Reed Medical Center. How are they protected in order to make sure? Because it's not that the president, he's COVID. Now, there are people who say you're more contagious in the beginning than you are in the end, and I understand all that. But go ahead, and when you're going to make a move like that, explain in advance what you're doing to protect the people who are helping you do something good. So I keep thinking that what would really be a good use and a saving savings for the country and for the patriots is the secret service people could be the flight attendants on Patriots plane one. I mean, listen, we have COVID as an outbreak. There is breaking news that is happening that the White House press secretary has just tested positive. We understand that there's now an outbreak and these outbreaks need to be controlled. And the way to control outbreaks is by following the rules and being smart. I know plenty of people who support Trump who wear masks wearing a mask does not mean that you are doing something un-American. It doesn't mean that you've lost your freedom. Everything is better if you wear a mask. I don't like it. I like seeing the faces of the people I'm talking to. I'd like to know if someone's pretty or not pretty or ugly or not ugly, or if it's a man or not a man or a woman or not a woman or a they, them, he, her. I want that. But I want outbreaks to disappear faster. You know what is not disappearing anytime soon? When we come back from the break, I watched a trending documentary over the weekend, and uh, the genre is not going to disappear anytime soon. We'll be right back here on Nothing Personal. Hang in there.
2: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You know we review, just like I ask you, and I thank you for downloading, subscribing, telling a friend about Nothing Personal, getting on the YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. If you're watching along with me and Wilson, then please hit the subscribe button. Just hit it. I know it's annoying. It's a big red button. You hit it, and then it says subscribed. Don't worry. You're not going to get push notifications, I don't think. You'll just get to watch Nothing Personal. So... I went on Netflix and I told you what I do because you know me and you know what I do. A trend is your friend. I learned that like in fourth grade. The trend is your friend. I look to see what's trending. And what's trending was something called American Murderer, The Family Next Door. I had no idea what this was about at all. i had never heard the story. And here's the story. There's a man named Chris Watts. He's married to a woman named Sha, Shanann Watts. They have two kids, Celeste and Bella. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end well for Celeste, Bella, or Shanann. What's interesting about this true crime documentary is that there are no interviews. There are no dramatizations. It is a compilation of all of Shanann's Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and text exchanges, actual text exchanges. You watch this 83-minute movie. Good marriage, in theory. Everything's great. Happy husband, happy wife, two kids pregnant with a third, taking trips, you find out there's little marital discord when she takes a trip to see her family and his family in North Carolina. All of it is documented, including documenting her saying, don't get off the plane or don't do this, don't do that until I'm videoing. I need to video your reaction. The world we live in, everybody is in the Truman Show. Everybody is EdTV. Remember the movie Ed TV with Matthew McConaughey and Ellen DeGeneres? EdTV wouldn't work today because no one would be interested in EdTV because we're all EdTV. We all are on camera all the time. And I don't mean from the eye in the sky. We catalog everything we do. So Chris Watts decided that he no longer wanted to be married and couldn't think of anything else to do, spoiler alert, other than to kill his wife and kids. I don't even know what to say. I can think of an infinity number of things to do before you kill your wife and kids and your unborn child. I watched this documentary and the level of disturbed that I was, it's not like a horror movie, which I won't watch because that just scares me and I don't want to be scared. It's not like watching a show about Jeffrey Dahmer, which is disgusting that he's a serial killer murderer all the stuff that i watched on ted bundy or charles manson you know once upon a time in hollywood where charles manson's part of that movie but there's documentaries about charles manson and how disgusting and anti-semitic and he's got the not the uh swastika tattoo on his forehead i think he's dead now thank god coca did charles manson dead or alive i think he finally died he was old lived in prison the rest of his life didn't he couldn't have suffered enough as far as I'm concerned but anyway you watch it and you say I can't even relate to that that's disgusting he's a serial killer forget it you watch this Charles Manson died in 2017 my god three years already Coca that game the the, live the uh side note the is he alive or is he dead game do you ever play that where there's people you just can't, you don't remember, like, are they dead? Are they alive? And then you realize, wait a minute, they died five years ago. It's impossible. But that's how it happens. It's a great game. Except for the people who are dead in the live or dead game. So I'm watching this documentary and all I'm thinking is what we're all voyeurs. We live through looking at other people and their activities on social media, we make judgments about them based on their posts. And we're jealous of them thinking they've got the life that we crave, that we want, that we don't have. How come they're always happy and I'm not? Why is every post a joyous post? Everyone's traveling all the time. How many people go to the Grand Canyon and don't fall in and take great selfies? Everyone's at the Grand Canyon or at a national park. Everyone's out partying. Everyone's out getting some. Everybody's everywhere doing stuff. I think it's all bullshit. Because you can't know what's going on in someone's life or in someone's head. And now we've got these true crime stories where they don't even need to do a dramatization or a recreation. Remember when stories used to be recreated? And they had to put like a little caveat, recreated. Now it's As it happens, because all I have to do is tap into the computer, and it was evidence once he killed them, and his story of what he said when they died and how he tried to sully his wife's reputation, it's a nightmare. Don't judge a book by its cover. American Murder, The Family Next Door, I don't want to believe they're The Family Next Door. I hate that title. Make me believe they're not. The problem is they are, and that scares me to no end. It's not a horror. It scares me. We're never going to see more true crime documentaries than we are going forward. The genre, which is like the number one podcast in the world, true crime podcast, the genre is only getting bigger because everything is documented. So you can go back and see the trail. Great movie called Running Scared with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. uh, Dan Hedaya played the chief detective. And Jimmy Smits is the bad guy, the cocaine dealer. And Jimmy Smits uh, was out. There was a murder. A cop got killed. And uh, the the chief said uh, to Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines, who said, what do you want us to do? And he looked at them and said, you are detectives. Go detect. It's a great line. It wouldn't work today. I'm not saying detectives aren't smart and it's not hard. It's very hard to be a detective, obviously, but it's a hell of a lot easier given social media. American murderer, the family next door. You want to be a detective? Remember that show we did, Coca? Uh, don't F star star K with cats. That was the um, documentary. Don't mess with cats. Don't F up with cats. And uh, I guess it's true. Everyone's a detective now. All right, I guess you got to check it out. Moving on to baseball. Oh, we had big news. In the shock of the offseason, it's not really the offseason. I guess the playoffs are still going on in baseball. In the shock of the season, Matt Klintak is no longer the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. <gasps> Contain yourself. Everybody breathe. Matt Klintak Fired. GM of the Phillies. Nope, that's not what happened. Nope, not at all. Here is what their press release said. I love this press release. I wouldn't do this. We fired a million people. You don't do this. Tack in bold, top of the press release. Tack steps down as general manager. Find me one GM who's ever stepped down. Find me one. You know when you step down. One millisecond after you've been fired. That's when you step down. But the Phillies announced that Matt Klintock has stepped down as the team's GM. Give me a break. What are we, stupid? You don't realize people are listening and watching and nothing personal and that we're going to get on you for this immediately? John Middleton gave a quote. I have stated publicly That winning is what matters. Thank God. Thank God that's what the owner said. Because absent him saying that, I never would have believed that winning matters. So then he had an ad, not just in Philadelphia, but in all cities and in all sports. Is that a good quote to start when you're firing your GM? No. What have you learned from that quote so far? Nothing. He continues. While Matt made many significant contributions to the organization... Hold on. I have a tear in my eye. Sorry. Thank you, Matt, for your significant contributions to the organization. We did not accomplish our goal of playing baseball in October. Consequently, we have mutually agreed to allow new leadership to head baseball operations. Bull hockey. There was nothing mutual about this. Ever. But they let Klintak have a statement. While I'm disappointed that we failed to reach our ultimate goal, I guess his ultimate goal is making the playoffs. I'm nevertheless very proud of the progress that this organization made over the last five years and of the people who worked hard to make that happen. Every GM, when they're fired or every time they say that, I'm so proud of my guys. Really, Matt? you proud of your guys, the ones who advised you on all the deals you made, the ones who said you can trade Sixto? Trade him. He's not going to be an ace. I promise he's going to have a bullpen arm. We're getting JT Rao Yeah, you got to trade for Workman. Definitely get Phelpsy in here. Was that you? Was that your guys? Those are guys who we added to the bullpen this year. Remember, they made those bullpen trades. and Everyone's like, oh, my God, they're fixing their bullpen. Joe Girardi's going to make the playoffs. Eh. And then he ended it with the sentence that's a copy paste from every statement that a GM or anyone makes when they're fired. I'm grateful for all the support that I received along the way from Phillies ownership, friends and colleagues and our loyal Phillies fans. You mean the loyal Phillies fans who booed you and who booed the owner and the ownership that just fired you? But you're saying that. Do you know why? Because you want to get another GM job and you don't want there to be any record from any of the detectives out there that you did Scorched Earth. But believe me, I've spoken to people who've been fired. This guy here, Scorched Earth feels really good. So John Middleton, the owner, decided he better do a little media. And so he did. He went on a show. I think he went via Skype or Zoom or Webex or Cover Me or Me Cover or whatever. Here's his quote on the show. It's not a statement. It's what his comment was. The overarching theme is he sold out Matt Klintec, in a way, I've never seen an owner sell out a GM before, especially when he had just fired ever. I've never seen an owner ever be as disrespectful to a employee ever. And I've dealt with a lot of owners from Jerry Jones to all of them. We've looked at so many on nothing personal. We've seen so many firings that we've dealt with over the year. We're almost at a year, Coca. do You think CBS will let us get to a year? October 14th. Can you believe it? They may not. But if they listen to the show and say, ah, we're white knuckling it, ah, we're great, ah, get off the air, get off the air, Samson. Nah, too many loyal listeners now. Thank you, keep doing that. Middleton sold out Clint Tack. You just can't believe it. The fact of the matter is, he said, at the time it was being considered, it being the trade of JT Rallamuto, who they got from the Marlins, who traded, and they traded Sixto Sanchez. He's claiming, this is the owner, John Milton You can make this trade and I'll approve it. But only if you extend JT Realmuto. If you don't extend him, don't trade Sixto. Well, I've been in the room with an owner and a GM. Can I tell you how that conversation really goes? Hello owner. Let's look at the payroll here for the next couple of years. We just signed Bryce Harper. You already went public saying that you're the one who signed Bryce Harper and you let the $2 million bullpen arms go to the guys. So you're responsible for Bryce Harper signing. Thank you, by the way. Happy to have him. But you told me when we signed Bryce Harper that we would be able to have a payroll of X dollars because that's how we can fit in Bryce Harper and put people around him because one guy does not a World Series ring make. Do you think the GM answers that question? No, that's the owner. So the owner says to the GM, you can sign him. But guess what? The payroll is going to be a buck 90 for the next five years. Show me that five year payroll with our young players. Who's coming off like Jake Arrieta? Who's going on like NOLA? So the question is, how could Middleton then say that the only way you do the trade is if you extend JT when extending JT is totally up to you? The reason why JT did not sign a contract is because you didn't approve of going over the luxury tax. The reason JT didn't sign a contract is because you didn't approve of what JT wanted. When you traded for JT, you knew what he wanted because I went public with it. I told you, and I like JT, had him with the Marlins. I told you, a great guy on and off the field. I know what he wanted to get paid. He wanted Joe Maurer and Buster Posey money, hard stop. That's the only way he'll sign. He wanted to set the standard for catchers, for the catchers coming after him. That is the only deal that he will sign. You're telling me, Middleton, that you didn't know that? You're lying. Of course you knew that. Don't sell out your GM like that. He then went on a tirade in a very calm way saying that we weren't in a position to win. We were in our development stage when we made that trade and we should have made it. It was not like bringing in Cliff Lee in 09 when we had a chance to be the World Series champion. We were just trying to get back to the playoffs. My position is that we needed to hold fast and be firm and not give up Sixto Sanchez. Well, I've got some insight into how that Marlins deal went down. And guess what? No, by the way, it's not insight information. I'd already been fired at the time, but done a lot of trades like that. When you're trading someone like JT Rallamuto, you have a list of players who are must includes. And you go to the different teams. You say, if you want him, Sixto will be in the deal. Atlanta, if you want him, X will be in the deal. Could have been Albies, whoever it was. You want him in L.A.? Gavin Lux will be in the deal. Dustin May will be in the deal. Whoever it is, there's someone who has to be in the deal. Hey, then you go back and you say, hey, Clintac, we're about to move him to the Braves. If you want him, let me know. But it's got to be Sixto in the deal. He then goes to his owner, Middleton. Hey, we got to put in Sixto. It's a deal worth doing. We've got, he's the best catcher in baseball. Sixto is still developing. He could end up being an ace, but JT's going to bring us to the promised land. That's on you. Unbelievably disappointing to me. Truly unbelievably disappointing that John would do that. I know John well, and he's good. Okay, we got to go through a uh, a few wait to sees here. Do you remember when we predicted all of the um, wild card series, and I split them up, and that was stupid of me because I said I'm not only going to predict who's going to win. I'm also going to predict in how many games. And if I don't get the number of games right, I'm going to take that part as a loss. All right. I predicted the Tampa Rays would win in two games. Yes, yes. I predicted the Cleveland Indians would win in three games. No, no. Yankees one and two. I predicted the Astros would win in three games. That's a yes, but it only took them two. I got to take a no. That's three to three if you're counting at home. I predicted the A's would win in two games. That's a yes. It took them three. That's a no. I predicted the Dodgers would win in two. That was a wait to see. Yes, they did. They beat the Brewers 2-0. I had the Marlins winning in three over the Cubs. I had them. You think I'm anti-Marlin? are not they marlin But I was wrong. Marlins in two. That's a yes, no. How about the Cincinnati Reds? How'd they do? I had them winning in three games over the Braves. Did they do it? Coco, who won the Red Series? Can you win a game zero to minus two? If you can win zero to minus two, then the Reds had a chance. They didn't score a run. Done. Game over. Cardinals winning in three. Nope, not going to happen. They didn't win at all. So we actually did well. We did one, two, three, four. We had five out of eight series chosen correctly. In terms of number of games, we only got two of those, right? But I'm not going to stop. It's the division series. I'm not going to say that the wait to seize are only going to be based on who wins. I'm going to do it who wins and in the number of games. And here's what it is. A's, Astros. That's pretty exciting. I'm doing it. Astros over the A's in five games. Rays, Yankees. Sorry, New York. It's going to be a good series. Rays over the Yankees in five. Astros Rays will be in the ALCS. What about on the National League side? Padres are a great story. It's not their turn. Think about the Bulls as they were trying to get past Detroit. It's not their turn yet. They're going to get there, but not this year. Dodgers over Padres in four. Who will they play? Could the Marlins continue? I want them to because I want them to be undefeated in playoff series because they're the only team who's never lost a playoff series. I think the streak ends today. I think they lose to the Braves in four. I'm rooting for the Marlins to win, by the way. I want to lose this one, but in case, I can't miss because if the Braves win, I win the wait to see. If the Marlins win, I'm happy because I want the Marlins to go to the LCS and not lose a playoff series. Those are the picks. We'll talk about the games as they go on. All right. We got to end with an NFC Lee story. This one, this one's too good. So I'm watching the Giants Rams highlights. If I said they we're watching the game, you know, that's not true. I'm watching the highlights and there was a fight and I didn't really know what was going on. I figured that the Giants were just pissed that they were zero and four and they were despondent. They lost a game and the Rams were getting all cocky. I just whatever it was a fight. I then read what happened and I lost my mind. Get ready. Who fought? Jalen Ramsey, the number one top paid defensive back in the National Football League who plays for the Rams, fought against Golden Tate, probably the 17th ranked paid ride receiver. Decent. He was brought into New York to help with their culture. Remember when they got rid of Odell Beckham? Golden Tate is their receiver. Turns out those two are fighting. All right, whatever. They must have gone after each other during the game. We saw that... Uh, Jalen Ramsey really tackled Golden Tate. He like had him. It was a legal hit, but crushed him. Didn't think anything of that. Just a good hit. Those guys in defensive backs can hit. He's number one for a reason. Then find out there's a little more to this story. All right, follow me if you can. Jalen Ramsey is the father of Golden Tate's nieces. Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate's sister had... A child together, and she was pregnant with Jalen Ramsey's child when Jalen Ramsey left her to date an Instagram model out of Vegas, which left Golden Tate's sister holding the bag and the kids. Golden Tate had said to Jalen Ramsey, I'm gonna get you, sucker. I didn't know any of this. So, Golden Tate. Took the opportunity after the game to beat the crap out of Jalen Ramsey for doing that to his sister, and an entire brew ha 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 ensued with coaches and players. An entire team-wide fight because Jalen Ramsey was with Tate's sister and then changed his mind. Have you ever seen anything like this on the field? There was no business here. It was all personal.